I want to ask you the question today, what is the most powerful word in the universe? Love? All right. But there's a word that activates love in our lives. Somebody looked at their bulletin this morning. The most powerful word in the universe is yes. Isn't it yes? The most powerful word in the universe is yes. Because without saying yes to God, we wouldn't even know what love was. Without saying yes to God, we couldn't have that transformation in our lives. Without saying yes to God, He wouldn't begin that miraculous work. You know, He doesn't force Himself on any of us. The most powerful word in the universe is yes. And what we need to realize today is that the word yes, or the answer to God's question for us, receiving His miracles and His work in our lives is really only one yes away. One yes away. One word away from inheriting all that God ever intended for us. One yes away from God's miracles being applied to our lives. One yes away. Maybe we've been resisting God. Maybe we haven't been allowing Him to do His work in our lives. And we're just one yes away from total transformation. It's really that easy. The work is all done. God's done everything He needs to do to prepare for our transformation, our forgiveness, our victory, our happiness, our fulfillment. And all we have to do is say yes. And you know, the word yes is central to the Christmas story. You know, Mary had to say yes to the angel Gabriel. You know that, right? God just didn't just force Mary to carry the Messiah. The angel Gabriel came and asked permission. Imagine that. You know, it's an interesting thing. It's an amazing thing about God. God doesn't force himself on anybody. He doesn't force himself on anybody. Now think about that. He sent his only son to live and die and rise again and go through all that he went through for us sinners, and he doesn't force us to be saved. He gives us an opportunity to choose, to say yes. He didn't force Mary to carry Jesus. He asked permission. He's a powerful God. He's an infinite God. He's beyond our comprehension or our imagination, and yet he still asks our permission. He's a complete gentleman. Isn't that amazing? It's an incredible thought. Let's go to that story. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Let's see that all-important yes answer from Mary. Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. We'll read through what Gabriel says to her, but this is specifically her answer to Gabriel. Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. The Bible says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So he had been there. He had told her what God was going to do. But he didn't say, it's already done. He waited for Mary's permission. And, you know, a lot was riding on Mary's answer. A lot was riding on this. Not only was she handpicked by God, there was a lot that went into who God handpicked to carry the Messiah. Did you know that? You see, there's a problem. There's a problem in the lineage of Jesus. How many of you knew that? There's an issue. There's a problem in the lineage of Jesus. 
because legally your birthright came through your father in that culture. But there is a major problem in the lineage, in the heritage of Joseph. You see, as you read back through Joseph's heritage, his genealogy, his ancestry, you find an evil king by the name of Jeconiah or Coniah. He has a few different names. This king was so evil that God said, that's it. No true king will ever come after you. Your lineage is dead after you. He is in Joseph's ancestry. So immediately right there, the devil's got to be thinking, ha, God, you just cursed yourself. The Messiah is supposed to come from the line of the kings, the line of Judah. God's just cursed himself. He's just messed up the whole thing. See, God had a different plan. Mary also came from the tribe of Judah. And as you trace Mary's genealogy, it goes through a different son of Solomon, Nathan. And isn't this beautiful? Nathan was the name of the prophet that convicted David that he had sinned with Bathsheba. And now David's son, Nathan, is in, he named him after the prophet, he, he's in the ancestry of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? The spiritual transformation that came to the king. Now, that, that man's name is in the, the lineage, the ancestry of Jesus. Now, here, there was an interesting thing, because in, in, in ancient Israel, if a woman did not have a brother to get the inheritance of the family, guess who received the inheritance of the woman? Her husband. You see all the details that are going into this now. You see, Jesus had to qualify to be the king of Israel, to be the king, the Messiah, the one who was promised, and it had to technically come through his father. The problem was, in his father's lineage, there is a king that God cursed, and God said, no longer will the kings come from your line. That's what's in Joseph's lineage. Jesus' father. But we all know that Joseph didn't actually father Jesus. Mary did. So God, God miraculously picks a woman with no brother so that the inheritance of the adopted father of the Messiah could be taken on from the woman and applied to the man. So he could legally qualify to be the Messiah. Isn't that incredible? To get around his own curse, God figured out a way. There's nothing that's impossible with God. And it's not only that. He had to be born at the right time to fulfill prophecy. He had to be born in the right place. So he had to be born at the right time, in the right place, with the right people. And they had to have the right kind of hearts and characters to raise God's son. Isn't this incredible? A lot's riding on this. A lot is riding on Mary's answer to Gabriel. 
it wasn't just one domino that had to fall. It was a whole line of dominoes that had to fall in the right time, in the right place, in the right way. And now we come down to one point in history when the world needs him most. The angel Gabriel goes to Mary and says, will you do this? God doesn't force his way into Mary's life. He asks for permission. And what does she say? Well, she says what we just read. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary said yes. She said yes. The most powerful word in the whole universe. We are only one yes away from God's miracles happening in our lives too. It was constantly asked by Jesus. He would go to people who would need healing. Do you want to be well? And what is the answer to that question? Yes. It's the most powerful word in the whole universe when it comes to God's relationship with us. It's yes. Why would we wait one more second than to say yes to Jesus? So as we look at this exchange between Mary and Gabriel and Mary and, and Joseph, it's quite interesting. Verse 26, let's pick the story up. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Oh, by the way, the prophecies also said that the woman had to be a virgin. So she couldn't be married yet. Because married women quickly are no longer virgins. Come on, it's uncomfortable, but yeah, pastor just talked about that. It's a fact, isn't it? So this woman had to be, had to be a, a virgin, and she also had to be in a relationship with a man who was from the tribe of Judah who would tolerate her pregnancy even though they weren't married yet. You seeing this? You following this? This could not have just been any random husband and wife, or they couldn't even be husband and wife. They had to be betrothed to each other, and this man had to tolerate this. So Joseph had to also say yes, and that's why Gabriel went to him too. These weren't just two random people that God chose. There was a lot of details that were, that were involved here. Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. You see, Joseph was from the house of David. Mary was also from the house of David. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And I love this, I love this verse, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this much be. So this angel appears to her and uh, says, Mary, you're greatly favored by the Lord. And in the, the are you talking to me? Really, me? Did you get the wrong address? She was astonished by, she's astonished by this because she's young. She's probably in her mid to late teens. She's poor. She's betrothed to a man who's likely much older than her. And she's thinking, how am I greatly favored by the Lord? I mean, my life hasn't really borne this out much so far. I mean, I'm just a regular girl in a regular town. Nazareth 
was not known to be the home of many wealthy people. This was not Beverly Hills. Nazareth wasn't. It was kind of like almost a slum, Nazareth. And so here's this young girl from a very poor town. That's why we hear later people saying things like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like a ghetto. And so here's Mary. You're greatly favored by the Lord. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? How, how can that possibly be me? What do you mean? Verse 30, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And then, in typical human fashion, humans always have questions, don't we? I mean, this is an angel who just appears in front of her, and he's saying, he's saying to her, God is going to make you pregnant. And then, in typical human fashion, we ask questions. But, yeah, yeah, but God, I mean, I'm a virgin. How can this possibly be, be true? How could this actually happen? And Gabriel must be thinking, really? I mean, look at me. My presence is kind of miraculous in and of itself. You saw me appear. Do I look like a normal? I mean, you don't think that this couldn't miraculously take place? Also, it was part of the prophecies that the people of Israel had heard for generations and generations and generations that a virgin would be with child. How can this possibly be? It, it, it actually rings a little bit like Moses at the burning bush, doesn't it? Not with the same doubt. Moses almost was arguing with God. Pick somebody else. I stutter. How can this be? I stutter. How can this be? They see me more as a, an Egyptian than, a, than an Israelite. How can I lead these people? It's, it's us humans who have these questions. And we think we need all of our questions answered before we can say yes, don't we? The God of the universe, the infinite, almighty God, the one who created all things, the one who speaks and it's done, the one whose angels sing his praises throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity answers the questions of finite human beings. And this is really interesting because Luke, Matthew doesn't do it as much, but Luke interweaves the stories of John the Baptist and Jesus and Mary. It almost like flashes between the two stories, back and forth. And what we read here is that to answer this question, you'll notice it says, Verse 35, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Now, scholars debate whether Mary knew this ahead of time, but she very likely did because John was older than Jesus. So we see this interchange going back and forth between the story of Mary, uh, Gabriel coming to Mary, and John the Baptist. The story goes back and forth. You know why God did what he did in the life of John the Baptist, his father Zachariah, his mother Elizabeth? It was to convince Mary that this could be done. That's, what, that's the, the story, that's the case that Luke is making. He's saying, Mary, Gabriel says, Mary, you know that your 
your cousin Elizabeth is old and you know she's pregnant and you know about this miracle. If God can do that in her, then you can have a virgin birth. God did a miraculous thing through Zechariah and Elizabeth to convince Mary that it could be done in her. Amen? You see, God is already working to answer our questions before we even ask them. Can somebody say amen to that? We don't even know what we're going to ask God, but he already has the answers before we ask them. God was answering this question, this all-important question from Mary. How can this possibly be? How can I believe that this is true? He was already answering that when he was working in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life, giving them a child. Now, they're old. They're old. They're advanced in age. And as the story goes, and we're going to look at this here in just a minute, think about this. They had been praying for a son their whole married lives. And they thought God hadn't answered their prayer. You ever pray for something for a long time and the answer doesn't seem to come? The answer was about to come at the perfect time. Because God waited to give Elizabeth and Zechariah the, the son that they prayed for at just the right time. That son came at the moment when it was needed so that Mary could say yes to what Gabriel was proposing to her. It was the proof that she needed that it could actually happen to her. Because her own relative now had a miraculous pregnancy. You think God isn't answering your prayer? Listen, God could have given them a son when they were younger, but that son would not have meant nearly, I mean, he would have meant a lot because he was their son. But don't get me wrong, think about what happened now when he gave them a son. That son was miraculous because it came in an advanced age. And that son was miraculous because he was the forerunner to the Messiah. And that son was miraculous because the very fact that Elizabeth was now pregnant was what Mary needed to be convinced that she could mother the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Don't think that God doesn't hear your prayer and he's not answering. It just is not being fulfilled when, when, when it's most needed, when you need it most or, or to fulfill it. Remember a couple weeks ago I said, you know, sometimes we pray for things that aren't answered. And we pray for them in a way that would benefit us but would hurt someone else, maybe even unintentionally. God is so wise and so powerful and so knowledgeable that he knows how to bless us without it being a hindrance to someone else. We don't know how to do that. Our minds are too small. We pray for what we pray for at a certain time when we think we need it, in a way that we think we need it. But God knows how to answer our prayer in a way and at a time so that it will benefit us and not hinder someone else. We don't live life in a vacuum. We're all connected and God knows how to answer prayers for you and me so that it will benefit us and not hurt someone else. It's incredible. And often when he blesses us, it ends up being a blessing on other people too, doesn't it? This is what God did. So Mary asked this question, and boy, did Gabriel have an answer for her. 
And then he goes on to say, with God, all things are possible. So part of the answer to the question was, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and it's going to be miraculous. And as you read through the story, go home and read through this story. Zacharias is in there ministering in the, in the tabernacle. And the Holy Spirit fills him and the Holy Spirit and the, the angel convince him that his wife is going to be pregnant. And it says that part of his prayer was that his child would be full of the Holy Spirit. Zacharias, John's father, that his child would be full of the Holy Spirit. And the fact that his wife is now pregnant at an advanced age shows that she was also full of the Holy Spirit. So when Mary hears that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and make her pregnant, she goes, oh yeah, that just happened to Elizabeth. That can happen to me too. And she's convinced and she says, yes. All things are possible with God. Do you believe that? All things are impossible with God. You know, our idea of impossible is limited to what the human mind can dream up. So we think, okay, I, I can dream up what's possible in my life, and then things are astounding. I want to give a little plug. I don't do this very often. But if you have Disney+, Plus, you have got to watch the uh, documentary called The Rescue. This is the story of how, the, remember the, te the, the soccer team in Thailand that was trapped in that underwater cave? This was a couple of years ago. This is a documentary with real footage of how they rescued 13 boys out of that cave. And it is just jaw-dropping. The dedication and the work that they put in in order to rescue these kids. It was miraculous. No one thought it was possible. One of the things that they thought was impossible was that there was no way. They, they ended up having to sedate these kids. They had to sedate them. They were unconscious. And they put them under the water face down. And scuba, anybody that does scuba knows that you don't go face down like this to let, when, you're, when you're under the water. You have to maintain a certain angle and they're unconscious and they don't know if they're going to be able to breathe. And somehow, miraculously, these kids, one by one, emerge from being underwater for over two hours. That's how long it took them to get them out of that cave. They didn't think it was possible. So think about this. We're just one little tiny little planet in, we're a little speck. We're not even a speck in the entire universe that God created. Are you with me? And, our, and, and we as a human are just one little tiny speck on this speck in this, the entire universe. And we start thinking, that's impossible for my life. And God's going, I can measure the whole universe with the span of my hand. My point is this. Impossible gets defined but what we deem, by what we deem, with our tiny little brains. That's impossible. But you mean to tell me that an infinite God who can measure the entirety of the universe with a span of his hand can't do what we think is impossible? Our impossible is where God just gets started. He is infinitely beyond anything that we deem in our tiny little brains as impossible. 
And that's what Gabriel says, means when he says, with God, all things are possible. This is how we know this can happen to you, Mary. With God, all things are possible. And so when she says yes, and we're not exactly sure when the timing of this song came, this Mary's song, it's so beautiful. But I want you to realize it's now that she's pregnant and, and this miracle has happened in her life and she's interacted with Elizabeth and Elizabeth's pregnancy, she's realizing the miracle that God had done for her. And that comes in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, she came from a slum, from Nazareth. She was just a, a teenager who wasn't even married yet. And because of one word, yes, she recognizes that all the generations of humanity that will come after her We'll call her blessed. All it took was one simple word. Saying yes to God. Verse 49, For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength in his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. You see, she could have started out with saying all these general things about him. He's blessed Israel, but she starts with what God had done for her personally because she knew what a miracle it was. And all it took was a yes. Just one yes. I got a couple questions I need to ask you today. Why would you and I wait one more day to say yes to God? Why would we wait one more second to say yes to God? As we see in this story and so many others in Scripture and also from our own lives, when we say yes to God, miraculous things happen. But it's when we let fear and doubt enter in and we think, oh, I can't do that, or that'll never happen for me, or that's impossible. That's when we prevent the miracles from flowing. The Bible says, Jesus said that if we had faith even as big as a mustard seed, we could move mountains. And that's not saying that it's our faith that moves the mountains. God moves the mountains. The mustard seed is just our yes. I believe that you can do that, Lord. The mustard seed is just us saying yes to the power of God in our lives. Yes to knowing what the potential is with having him in our lives. Maybe we won't give birth to the Messiah, but something incredible God promises for us. Let's go quickly to Ephesians chapter 1. Look at, look at the promises 
Look what God does for us, his promises for us. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. I'm going to read through this quickly. We're not going to pick this apart, but I just want you to hear this message. What The power of one single yes to Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. How many spiritual blessings? Every one, all of them, even as he chose us in him, Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In, in his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. How many of you are looking for family this holiday season? I think we all are. That's why we draw close. But our true family is found in our Savior and in our Father in heaven. How many of us are looking for gifts this holiday season? We think that's what Christmas is about. But those gifts are, gifts are really about the gift that God gave us in His Son. And that gift is being adopted into His family and loved as His sons and His daughters. And He forgives us of our trespasses and our sins. Things that we've done in our past where we know we've hurt others. We know we've hurt ourselves. We know we've hurt our relationship with God. But God says, I don't care. I love you with an everlasting love. Just say yes. Just say yes. He's lavished upon us the riches of his grace, verse 8. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. I love the beginning of verse 11. In him, we have an obtained an inheritance. It's the same message that Mary sang. You took this lowly peasant from an from a impoverished town and look at the blessings and the miracles you lavished on me. That was, the, that was the song of Mary. And this is the song of Paul. Look what you've done for me. The transformation you've made real in, in, in our lives. Look at the inheritance that we have in you. Look at the victory and the hope and the feelings of fulfillment and joy that we find in finally being loved by our Heavenly Father. You know, the holidays are joyful for a lot of people. But for a lot of others, they bring pain. Because not everyone has been blessed with a very good family. Not everyone has their whole family with them this holiday season. And for a lot of people, the holiday season brings a lot of heartache, missing the people that they've lost. What we need to recognize is that while we love our, our earthly families with our whole heart, those earthly families are given as a gift to speak to us God, the fullness of God's love. What we've longed for, if we didn't have a very good family to begin with, what we've longed for, what we wish we had in them, we can find in our Heavenly Father. The things we miss because a loved one is no longer with us, we can have hope that one day they'll rise again when Jesus comes. 
but also we can know that the things that we miss in that individual we can find today and find that comfort and that acceptance and that loyalty and that love through Jesus. Our earthly families are really only just an object lesson, a real-life object lesson to teach us what we actually find in our Heavenly Father. So being adopted with God as our Father is truly an incredible and powerful thing. You might be saying, well, I've been praying. I've been, been praying for this, and it doesn't seem to happen. Well, I've got to bring you this last verse. We alluded to it earlier. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Where's my miracle, Lord? Where's my, where's my answer? Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, a division of Abiah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter, to enter the temple and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. This was a lifelong prayer. And Gabriel says to him, your prayer's been heard this whole time. It's just that I had, God had, something more miraculous than you could have ever dreamed up. So now, the time is right. And this is the second part of the yes we're looking for. Your dream is only one yes away. Don't Stop trying. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on your prayers. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on God's will or His calling for your life because your answer is only one yes away. It's only one yes away. You think all those obstacles in front of you are really... Uh, an issue and you'll, you'll never get through them. You can't see the forest through the trees, but your answer, your deliverance is only one yes away. Whether that be yes from a human who's in your way, or whether that be a yes from heaven, don't stop asking. Don't stop working. Don't stop trying because your miracle is only one yes away. Obstacles are nothing to God. Your dreams are only one yes away. Challenges bow to God's will. Your hopes are only one yes away. Enemies tremble at the sound of His voice. Your goals are only one yes away. No physical limitation can keep you from all good things. The blind see. The dead live again. The lame walk. 
You are only one yes away. Oceans obey him. Stars shine for him. The wind blows at his command. There is nothing that can keep you from what he wants for you. You are only one yes away. So why are you waiting? What if Mary had hesitated and said no? Imagine how much would have been different for her. Why are you waiting to say yes to God? Why would you ever give up on your calling, for His calling for you and your goals and your dreams? Don't give up. What are you waiting for? What if Mary had hesitated? What if she had said no? Why would we wait to say yes? Persist in prayer. Push forward with promise. Press on toward the prize. And don't let a thousand no's stop you. One yes can topple a thousand no's. You believe that today? One yes, just one yes, can topple a thousand no's. One yes to Jesus can overpower all those no's humans have told you over the years. That you're not good enough. You're not special enough. You aren't strong enough. You aren't smart enough. You aren't successful enough. Listen, your miracle is only one yes away. And miracles are nothing for God. You're only yes, one yes away from a father who can break every no you've ever been told. Say yes to Jesus today. It's the most powerful word in the universe. One yes from Mary filled her life with miracles and every generation after her would know her name. One yes can topple every obstacle you've ever faced. Don't give up. Don't stop. Press on. We are only one yes away. Don't hesitate one more second to say yes to Jesus. Because why would you hold yourself back from receiving miracles from heaven? Say yes to Jesus today. It's the most powerful word in the universe.